This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. The kind of experience you can only find in a Lexus SUV. A feeling this empowering is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the versatility of the complete line of Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Now available on Apple Podcasts, Podcast One, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. This is the Dan Abrams Lawn Crime Podcast with Sirius XM Radio. Joining me now is my friend, Megan Kelly, the host of the Megan Kelly Show. It was a wildly successful podcast, and today marks the expansion of that by partnering with Sirius XM and going five days a week. The show airs Monday to Friday, 12 to 2 Eastern time, time on the Triumph Channel. 111. She knew she shouldn't be going from 2 to 3 o'clock because she'd be up against the Big Dan Abrams show. Megan Kelly, good to have you on the show. Hi, this is fun. How are you? It's good to have you. Congratulations on the new Sirius expansion. I love it. I'm good. Thank you. Yeah, we just wrapped our very first show. Had a few hiccups, you know, in terms of the procedure, but overall, great. It was fun. We had great guests. We had good conversations, and it's fun to be live again. Right? Um, yeah, it is fun. And and there's a really good audience out there in serious land um, and a smart audience. And I think uh, I think that they're going to appreciate your show. Well, I know um, that just from listening to your show yeah. and also to Dr. Laura. Yes. Dr. Laura, who's on your, <laughs> your network. I know. It's um, exciting. So let me ask you your take. I, I just I don't know how much of this you heard, but I, I just was talking about the Texas election law, the new one that was signed by Governor Abbott today. And, yeah. and my general take on this is it's fixing a problem that doesn't really exist, but that it's certainly not the end of the world, that some of the provisions yeah. I actually agree with, uh, some of them I disagree with, some of them I think are unnecessary, some of them I think made it, you know, why you wouldn't allow people to vote if you have the exact same requirements to vote in your car as you do when you walk in, why you wouldn't allow them to stay in their car to make <laughs> it easier. I have no idea, as long as you have to show the same mean. sorts. Yeah, I mean, what's the point? But but on the whole, what's your take on the law? I think uh, I agree with you on this one. Uh, it's funny because your audience may or may not know. I feel like you and I are both generally in the center. I'm a little bit more center right. You're maybe a little bit more center left. But we have a lot of overlap in, in our worldview, which is probably one of the reasons why we're friends <sighs> and enjoy listening to each other cover the news, right? Because it's yep. like you hear you have just enough disagreement to keep it interesting, but enough agreement to, to understand you're listening to a sane informed person. Uh, so yeah, I agree with you on that. I, I think um, th they are fixing a problem that didn't exist. There's not massive voter fraud uh, down in Texas or really any place else. There's some instances and we don't want those. And, you know, they undermine the, the system as a whole and ought to be, you know, examined. Uh, I do think that they had loosened the rules enough during the pandemic that they needed to be tightened again, right? There's no reason to leave uh, the, the loose pandemic rules in place forever because we're no longer in that place. But um, I don't find them anything close to Jim Crow 2.0, and I think that's just something meant to stir people up. I'm going to make a point that 
Megan has referred to me before as center left, and it's funny because as those of you who remember when Don Lemon came on the show, and I didn't ask him what, what he thought of my politics. He interrupted me when I described myself as a centrist. He said, no, no, you're center right. You're not a centrist. Well, please. Center right. oh, I mean, he uh, probably thinks I'm Attila the Hun. Yeah, I mean, well, because... actually, I, actually, I think he does. <laughs> yeah, well, it's mutual. Uh, I've got a, I got some other thoughts about Don that I'll save for my, my own audience over on Triumph. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Because you know that if you give them to me now, I'm going to have Mediate clip it and then you don't have that moment for your show. Oh, I don't care. I'm, I'll I, give I'm you a moment, kidding. too. I'm just trying to be polite. I know. I know. Um, all right. So we agree on the on the Texas law. Um, yeah. And, and by the way, if any of you disagree, feel free to to chime in. We'll take calls with Megan uh, for the hour. The newest of the serious XM hosts. Um, at 866-967-6887. I said another point that I made before you you joined us um, was that I find the Texas abortion law much more troubling than I do this election law. I had some people call in when I covered the abortion law saying to me, oh, Dan, this is just an effort to distract from the election law. And I'm thinking, no, it's not. The, The election law is what it is. I just went through it, et cetera. The abortion law, putting aside what you think about abortion for a moment, The fact that a state is encouraging people to go vigilante and say, Mm -hmm. for example, in another liberal state where someone where they don't like hate speech and you say, hey, you know what? We're going to give you ten thousand dollars for every case of hate speech that you can find out there. And we're going to encourage you to sue and we're going to get you your legal fees back if you can find regardless of whether it's protected by the court's rulings or not. I mean, that seems like scary stuff for a state legislature to do. Yeah. Well, I hate to disappoint your audience members who wanted a disagreement because I agree with you again. Um, Good. I, well, this just means you're right, Megan. That's okay. It's okay <laughs> to be so, right. It's so okay. glad to have found that place again. <laughs> um, no, I, I think I understand how much conservatives abhor Roe versus Wade. I get it. Trust me. I understand. But this is not the right way. I mean, encouraging uh, private citizens to harass one another for ex- for exercising rights that have been protected, have been recognized, I should say, as constitutionally protected. We can get into whether or not they actually are right. There's obviously a debate there legally, but they've been recognized by the Supreme Court. And therefore, we have to honor them out within the legal constraints of the system is obscene. It's obscene. It's wrong to pit citizen against citizen in this way. And it's such a slippery slope. I mean, you could do this to gun owners when it comes to gun rights. You could do this to people praying in the public square. You know, I could go on. The, The answer to constitutional jurisprudence you do not like is to not just end around the constitutional jurisprudence. It's to challenge it, which they're doing in a case that's going to go up later this term. Yep. Or if you don't like that, go get a constitutional amendment, right? Rally the support if you can do it. And I think, you know, the conservatives realize there isn't really the will for a constitutional amendment banning abortion. Um what they really want is for it to go back to the states. And I think you can make a strong argument that legally that's the right thing to happen, that Roe was you know, not a good decision. But anyway, back but, to the but, original but, point. But I agree with thing. you that what they're doing here is not is not a good approach. I don't think the court is going to overturn Roe. It's going to significantly restrict it, I think, to a yep. point where you can argue that it becomes ineffective. It becomes effectively nullified. But but this particular statute, which basically says that 
you can get 10000 bucks if you sue anyone who aids or abets. It's not even going after the women. It's going after the oh. aiders and abettors, meaning the doctors and the people who assist and the family members. For any abortion after six weeks, when most women don't even know that they are pregnant, is such a, it's such a spit in the face, in my mm-hmm. view, to the current state of the law in this country. I mean, look, you know, I, I think about this in the context of the Second Amendment Heller decision, right? I wrote yep. a law review article in law school about how th- that, there, that when the framers created the Constitution, that in my view, they did not envision the individual right for everybody to own a gun. My position was that when the Second Amendment said a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, comma, it meant that. Okay. You can agree, you can disagree. The Supreme Court disagreed with me and in the Heller decision. And, and so now this, to me, suggests that anyone who disagrees with Heller in a state can now say, hey, let's go, let's, let's try this little backdoor method and let's yep. create civil liability uh, for anyone who sells any kind of weapons that may or may not be protected by Heller, but we're not going to concern ourselves with that. And, and that's the part about this that is just so incredibly uh, dangerous. And, you know, look, I'm, I'm glad that we're on, uh, we're on the same no, page. But two points on that. So you're right, and that is what's going to happen. So it's one of those, you know, you may rue the day when you started this battle, conservatives down in Texas, because this will come back to bite. It's, I don't think it's going to be upheld constitutionally. So know. it'll be a short fight back and forth. You know, if New York tries to do this on gun rights or California does what have you, it's all going to go down in flames because this this can't be permitted. It's such an obvious end around. But to your original point, I think you're right that, you know, these Texas Democrats who staged this walkout over the election law, what what about the abortion law? Where yeah. where right. are you on right. this? Because this right. is far more controversial totally than agree. the voting law. Like, if you really wanted us to see you as these social justice warriors, I think you picked <laughs> the wrong fight. Well, and I had on just I had on one of the Texas legislators who fled at the time, and I I was pretty tough with him on sort of you know what the point was. And in the end, he got in trouble for for admitting this, but in the end, he admitted, yeah, you know, it's really. There's really no point in this, and and we understand that. And it, it, I was like, but, but wait a sec. If, if there's no point in this, then what are you doing but, it for? Well, you know, we're hoping for federal legislation. I'm like, but you know the federal legislation isn't going to happen. And it's that's like, right. well, yeah, okay, well, you know, yes, I know. But, and he was actually pretty straight about it, and he's now sort of – he became on the outs. He's one of the ones who actually ended up going earlier back to Texas and got a <laughs> lot of crap from the others who, who were staying in Washington at the time. Anyway, we're talking well, to Megan. Me, yeah, me, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, let me posit this because I, I was thinking about it. So why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they do the walkout on, on abortion? And, you know, politically, politically, this isn't a terrible issue for the Democrats, right? It's like oh, the no. Republican. Right. So, like, first of all, it's a it's shifted the narrative. I don't know if you've been you know, watching the national news this week, but it's been much more focused on Texas and abortion than it has on Afghanistan, which is better for Joe Biden, way better for the Democrats. Yep. And n- not that they would necessarily have seen those exact that exact sequence of events unfolding, but I don't think it's bad for the Democrats to have this issue back in the news, like the crazy Republicans who are trying to outlaw abortion, which most Americans do believe should be available and legal, though rare. You know, the vast majority of American people, I think, is 59 percent of the uh, the public still supports 
uh, abortion rights to some extent, right? Most people are against it in the third trimester. Most people would say they'd keep it legal in the first trimester, and then you get the second trimester is, you know, dicier. But most don't want to see it outlawed altogether, which is how the Democrats and the press spin what's just happened here, you know, in Texas and what the Supreme Court did in response. And that's that's a political issue that is probably better for the Dems than for the Republicans. I, I think you're absolutely right. We're talking to Megan Kelly, host of the new Megan Kelly show on Sirius XM, airing Monday to Friday, 12 to 2 Eastern time on Triumph Channel 111, um, a big get for Sirius. Let me ask you about one more topic, and then we'll take a break and we'll take calls at 866-967-6887. Um, there is a new poll out that talks about Republicans versus Democrats on the school mask mandates. And I know this is something that you Mm -hmm. have uh, followed. And Mm -hmm. um, individuals, this is from Axios, uh, 85% of Democrats, 66% of independents, and 32% of Republicans support mask mandates for all students and staff at their child's school. So let me ask you this. So... I have I have expressed my uneasiness with the possibility of overdoing the mask mandates, meaning I can't work out at the gym. My own personal mm-hmm. sort of how it affects me is how we all view this prism. Um, but with that said, um, I don't get the level of vitriol and anger over this that comes from Republicans. And I say this because... I don't view this as any more invasive than forcing someone to wear a seatbelt every time they get in their car. And you could say, why the hell should the government decide for me? And there, in the case of seatbelts, it's just me. It's not anybody else. I don't want them telling me what I can. People aren't yelling and screaming about seatbelts, but they're, gosh, are they angry about these mask mandates, where in my view, I've now done a, a bunch of research on it. The medical evidence was a bit more ambiguous at the beginning and now seems quite clear with a number of peer-reviewed studies that at the least it helps. So why are Republicans so angry about this? I mean, I can speak to that from the children's, you know, the, the mandatory masking in schools perspective. Um, I, I'm not a Republican. I'm, I'm a registered independent. I have, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to regist- suggest that. I, didn't, I, just, I meant it from, from bring no, me no, no, to the mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I understand. But so I just want your audience to know. So I've been a registered Democrat. I've been a registered Republican and I'm, I've been a registered independent for the past you know, 15, 20 years. I don't remember how long. But my point is simply, I don't necessarily come to any of these issues through a partisan lens. And I feel the anger on the mandatory masking of children. I am one of the angry people. Um, I'm really pissed off about it because I feel like overly cautious mostly Democrats, have somehow managed to find a way between me and my child. They have somehow managed to stick their hand in the form of a mask over my child's face for eight to nine hours a day, and I strenuously object. That's for me and my child and my doctor to decide. And up until recently, it wasn't just eight or nine hours a day in school. It was outside while they were playing soccer in 100-degree heat. Absurd and dangerous. And the other side will look at me and say, but science. And I look back at them and say, there is no science that supports 100-degree heat wearing mask wearing for an eight-year-old. All right. Well, look, let's agree on the fact that there are times where this has been 
sort of made absurd, right? Uh, in terms of mask wearing still outdoors, is. You, well, you can but, take you can, you can take a less extreme example: an eight year old sitting in class yeah. with six feet of social distancing between him and his little buddies right. with plexiglass at the desks does not need a damn mask on his face. So, so, but let's, but again, not everyone's going to have plexiglass, right? So, so the Who point cares, is, even if you don't have the plexiglass, social distancing works better than masks. The science has also shown that. And by the way, there isn't a lot of mask science for children wearing masks all day at school. That's why the Europeans, even who are way more COVID averse than we are, haven't required that of the young ones. But it's, it's more invasive to force kids to get a vaccine. And yet, yes, I'm against yet, that too. What, for measles too? No, I've gotten my kids all the vaccines. Wait, the MMR, so, so why? All of them. I'm wait, not wh- anti-vax. I'm not Jenny McCarthy. So wait, why this are those? This one's untested, are, Dan. What do you mean it hasn't been tested? This one has been it so hasn't been te- mass. You, you want me to stick? You want me to stick an experimental vaccine in it's my eight-year-old's arm? So before, I'm not doing it. Wait, wait. Before it was FDA, yes, it is. Before it was FDA approved. Well, again, no one's asking about the eight-year-olds, right? What about the twelve-year-olds? Oh, absolutely wrong. That's hundred percent wrong. They are, sorry. They is it, will is it, be. Oh, will be. Wait, when? No, no. When, it, when the, you no, mean? You mean when the testing is done? Right. Right. No, no, no. It's being te- no, 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 because it gets approved on an experimental basis before it gets a permanent approval. And I don't want you experimenting on my kid. You want your kid to be the experimental guinea but, pig? But, go for it. Again, you don't get to tell me I have to do it with mine. But, but again, you're suggesting that it's so fundamentally different than all these other vaccines that have been out there. It is. Right? Yeah. It, yeah. It, they, they've been tested because, for a very, very long time. Because, we know no, long term side effects. But, well, but again, but the fact that at some point, Right. You've got to make a cost benefit analysis, which is. Yeah, and, that's and, right. And it should right. be up to me and my doctor. But but no, but that's not the way vaccines work. That's the whole so point. There are a lot of people out there. Who no, are you there, to there tell are a lot me of people that because my, it's the same my thing family, with every vaccine? We have a hist- no, no, no. In, every vaccine. It is no, true. totally wrong. Why There's can't no parents decide they want to get vaccine, their- Dan. But you keep There's changing no long-term the subject. Wait, vaccine. I've changed the subject. I'm pro-vaccine. Don't get me wrong. But when it comes to my child, that's between me, my doctor, my husband and my kid. Except. Except you don't believe that when it comes to measles. So you keep saying that, but there's you actually been, don't because believe there's that. been long term testing. On oh, okay. we understand. So, so stop saying it's between. So stop effects. saying it's between you and your doctor because you're agreeing it's not. You're agreeing no, that there are totally certain wrong. vaccines. Cost, you're talking about cost benefit analysis. And right now, what I'm telling you is the costs of this vaccine are unknown. They're known when it comes to MMR. Yeah. Therefore, you can make an informed decision. Informed consent can be offered. Yeah. It cannot on this vaccine, really, frankly, when it comes to adults either, when it comes to long-term consequences. But I'm fine with the adult situation. That's that's a different story as far as I'm concerned. When it comes to children whose health I have responsible for, I have responsibility yeah. for. No, I draw the line. I want to know what the long-term testing shows before I let my kid be subjected to this vaccine. That's I'll how say, I feel. Look, there's a reason that kids under 12 have not been recommended to get the vaccine yet. And there's it's a reason. Gonna happen. It's going to happen. It's going to happen within the next well, five to six months, well, according to the authorities. Well, because they're doing testing and they're evaluating it. I mean, to that's see the point. if it will be available on an experimental no. No, basis. But, but again, you keep yes, using words yes, like experimental. But so, so, you're, so the point is, again, to you, the big, the big point is FDA approval. So once it gets FDA approval, then it's okay. I don't know about that. Okay. I, I'll have so to right. think about that when it comes right. to my children because right. I have to say, no, no, no. Listen, let me make my point. Um, it's fine for you to say, yes, all children must be, must receive a mandatory vax or what have you. But what I've been watching as I've been open-minded, I've taken the vaccine. My husband's taken the vaccine. I've told my audience, you should take the vaccine. It could save your life. 
Um, what I've been say- seeing as this thing has been unfolding is it's safe, it's safe, it's safe. You can give it to children who are 12 and over. And then we see reports about heart inflammation. Well, I come from a history where my dad died of, at age 45 of a sudden heart attack. We've had heart disease throughout my family. I have a heart issue. I don't know whether my children have heart issues, but I'm paying attention to heart side effects, probably more so than the average parent, none of whom want heart side effects for their children. COVID can cause side effects in children too. I get that. But I don't like being surprised. And they haven't studied it long enough to know just how severe these are going to be. How widespread are they going to be? Do we need to be more concerned? I would like more time and more children to be tested, though I would never let my own. I see a lot of Democrats, a lot of liberals who are pro-vaccine. Pro- Good, let your kids be tested. Then once your kids are the experimental guinea pigs and we, we prove it safe, then I'll let my kid do it. But right now, no. Megan Kelly is my guest. She's got a new show here on Sirius on the Triumph Channel. Let's go to some of your calls. Let's go to Gino in Alabama. Gino, how you doing? What's going on? I'm good. How are you guys doing? Good, thanks. Great. Good. I, I just had a couple of quick points. Um, I understand the hesitancy with the kids with vaccinating them. However, what we knew about what we know about COVID is that that demographic can be asymptomatic. We knew that from the beginning. That was one of the things that was reported. We know that the Delta variant is affecting that demographic more. I have a daughter that I pulled off a volleyball team because she had been exposed twice in a week. So if the vaccine is not the way, they they have we have to do something. And my, my point is, you know, I heard the consternation about masks and saying that it was a democratic plot to put a hand over your kid's face but what what alternative is there if you're not masking and you're not willing to vaccinate are you going to take them out of school because they are they are only going to continue to infect one another so wearing a mask is a very simple solution megan kelly i like that question gino thank you for that uh and and reasonable points i get it and I don't have any objection to parents who want to mask their kids or vaccinate their, their kids at all. I'm not one of those people who's like, you're a moron if you do that. I don't feel that way. I don't want the government or the school system telling me I must. I think those are very personal decisions that factor in you know, your personal and family health history. And, and not all of that is accounted for. Right now, when they're talking about vaccine exceptions, they're talking about, okay, you know, religious grounds maybe. But they're not talking about... What if my pediatrician says that it's not a good idea for your kid? That's not one of the recognized exceptions in, for example, our school's mandatory vaccination policy that they just implemented. Thankfully, my kids aren't yet affected because it's only for 16 and up. Wait, they don't have medical exceptions? Nothing. There's no exception. If your kid doesn't get the vaccine, they're expelled. That's insane. Okay, well, that, that seems to me to be overkill because I would think that if they have to have a medical exception, which at least allows the kid to, I don't know, go remote or do something. Um, right now, right now, I mean, it's brand new, but right, right. now there are no exceptions. Wow. But, but let me just say this. Um, I think that what we're not talking about is the fact that children, yes, they get COVID. You get COVID too. I mean, you're going to get it probably even if you've been vaccinated thanks to this Delta uh, variant, which is very infectious. And the vaccines aren't really meant to prevent that. It would have been nice if they had, and they did better in the previous variant. But the vaccines are about preventing hospitalization or death. And I get that. But the risk of hospitalization or death for children getting COVID is minuscule. It's almost non-existent. I realize it is existent, but it's minuscule. And therefore, the risk 
benefit ratio changes when you're talking about an eight-year-old versus a 50-year-old like me. Thank you, Gino. Let's go to Texas and Mike. Mike, what's up? Hey, uh, I'm good. Uh, that was a very spirited uh, back and forth between you guys. Uh, <laughs> good job. Very good. Hey, um, uh, okay, I live in Texas, so I'm somewhat familiar with the voting uh, scenario here. And I, you know, that aspect of the, the changes in the law as far as drive in or drive mm-hmm. up, mm-hmm. Um, it does adversely affect people in um, minority and economically depressed areas um, because over the years it's been proven that the lines in those areas because of the lack of polling um, polling centers right the lines are two or three four times longer than they are in um, uh, in, in more affluent areas and so I think what they're trying to do is they're trying to get these people in those areas more exposed to the elements and making it more difficult it, uh, to, to stand in line. Look, let's assume let's assume that that's the case. Let's see, let's even just assume. For, uh, my point is, prior to the summer of 2020, you didn't have drive through voting and somehow we were managed to figure it out. Right. I'm not saying and therefore it's a good thing. All I'm saying is, therefore, it's not that big a deal, meaning hmm. that they'll be able to figure out how to vote the same way that they did before the summer of 2020. You know what I mean? Mike, does that make sense? Yeah, but that, no, but no, it doesn't because that doesn't mean prior to 2020 that because of the hardship of, of waiting in, in line for hours, a lot of, a lot of, uh, but there are other solutions. Minorities didn't try to vote because it was like, you know, I'm not sitting in line for three hours. I got it. Look, lines, lines are a, a major problem when it comes to voting. Mm-hmm. And they should figure out and they should have, and you know, some states do have specific requirements that once a line is more than X amount of time that they have to do you know, X, Y, or Z. I completely agree with you on that. But the point isn't, and therefore it has to be drive-through voting, right? The point is just, we got to figure out the lines. I don't know, Megan Kelly, you got anything on this? Just that, you know, not all poor voters in Texas are Democrats and not all rich voters in Texas are Republicans, right? You, if they're trying to stifle, this is a Republican-led effort, they're trying to stifle vote among the lower socioeconomic classes um, in Texas, I just think that they're going to be stifling a lot of their own vote. So that, that doesn't necessarily strike me as smart politics. Mike, thank you. Let's stay in Texas and go to Scott. Scott, how you doing? What do you got? Hey, Dan. My question is for Megan. Uh, Megan, what role do you think social responsibility plays in the argument about vaccinating your children? And and let me preface it by saying, you know, what what do you think would happen if all of the parents during D-Day said, you know what, it's way too risky to send my son over to the battle in Normandy. It's unproven. I don't want him to go. They shouldn't go. Uh, Thank you for that. I don't I don't think those two situations are really comparable, but uh, I think there's some responsibility. So I wouldn't say there's none. Um, You know, I frankly, I got the vaccine. Yes, I believe it will prevent hospitalization and and death in in my own case. But honestly, I did it in part out of a social 
a feeling like I, I owed it just to do, I lived in New York and, and that's just, you know, it's gotten so hit. It felt like I kind of wanted to do my part to prevent the spread, but I also felt like I had to, <laughs> like, I want to get on an airplane. I, I could feel the vaccine mandates coming everywhere. And I'm like, this isn't for me, it doesn't make sense. You know, I'm at great enough risk that this isn't a battle I want to fight. I don't think it's the same with children. They haven't been proven to be effective vectors of the vac- of the virus. They just haven't. It's not to say that they cannot spread it, uh, but they just aren't very efficient spreaders. And so the, the teachers, sure, they should get vaccinated because they're grownups and they should protect themselves. You get the vaccine to protect yourself, yourself. If getting the vaccine doesn't prevent you from spreading COVID, right? So it's like, I don't think I should have to vaccinate my kid if I don't think he needs it for his health to protect you. If you want to protect yourself, get the vaccine. I encourage everyone to do it. Thank you. Let's go to Canada. Jason. Jason, what's up? Hey, guys. Uh, well, mostly for me, the, the problem with this uh, Texas abortion law is, uh, you know, the, the don't tread on me crowd. They're always, they seem so quick to tread on everybody else. And uh, it's maddening. It's the same thing up here. I mean, I'm in Alberta. It's like the Texas of the North. And, uh, you know, they're very quick to tell you who you should love or marry or what you should do with your body. But as soon as it turns around on them. Uh, yeah, I, I got to say that they Jason, the, uh, the, yeah, you know, no, I mean, look, I, I don't, I don't, yeah, I know somebody I, who doesn't know anything about the constitution yeah, and nothing okay. about their history. But here, here's the thing. I don't think <laughs> it's useful in discussing these issues to have these sweeping generalizations, right? About these guys, these guys who do, there are people who are opposed to abortion for very personal, either religious or other reasons that you know, many people may disagree with. They may be in a minority in this country, but there are some people, and you can say some, you don't believe it, but some people who at least, you know, when you disagree with them, and it's not just about abortion, but all topics, at least be able to hear them out, understand what their argument is, understand where it's coming from. Some of them may be just total hypocrites, right? And then you call them out. You say this person, specific person, this congressperson, this senator, but the sweeping sort of the they's referring to some large swath of people. I mean, that's where I get start getting a little nervous. Let's go to Mike in New York. Mike, how you doing? What's going on? Hey, Dan. Hey, Megan. Quick question. Hey. Just a couple questions. You know, I'm a father of four girls, which basically means I have no more money. Um, <laughs> as far as abortion, <laughs> as far as abortion, Megan, I mean, you're so strong of an advocate about masking. Where do you fall as far as rape and incest, which was not included in this law, for a for giving people the option to have abortions if they were raped or there was incest in their family? Mm-hmm. Because all I say is it's always crusty white guys telling women what they can do with their body. And if it was a, if it was a million white women against a million women in opposites of each other. I would not have a problem with it, but it's always a guy telling a woman what they can do with their body. Where does that, where do you fall with that? Well, I haven't ever taken a public position on abortion and I don't plan to. I just think there are certain things journalists shouldn't be revealing about themselves. And for me, that's, that's my line. Um, And I, I mean, I could debate it on either side all day long. And I certainly have my own private feelings on it. And I can see, you know, amongst 
a lot of people I know how things change as you get older as a woman, as you have your own children. But I almost feel like you got to be careful there too, because it, it's very easy for somebody like me who's 50 and I've had my three kids and I'm done having kids, both because of God and because of my energy level. Um, telling a 20 year old, you know, what she should do. Like that's, we're not in the same position. Um, but I would say that the, the no rape or incest exception is disfavored by the vast majority of the American public, the vast majority in the same way, third term abortions are disfavored by the vast majority of the American public. These extreme positions don't tend to be adopted by mainstream Americans. And yet they keep getting written into the law when we are the same way you got the Virginia governor sitting out there talking about how a live baby could potentially be killed. Like what, uh, what <laughs> there's no yeah. one who's in favor of that governor. So you get, you can get these extreme positions. I don't think there's anything close to majority support for no abortions and no exception for the rape um, or incest. Uh, was, in the case of the mother, there was some ambiguity in what the Virginia governor said. But oh, I don't please! Want, I don't, I don't, let's I don't not, want. Let's that. not even go Bill, there. Bill and Bill, California. Uh, what do you got? Quick. Hi. Uh, just that you know to say that the uh, the law is really sort of inconsequential because it's not that heavy. They wouldn't be trying to pass it if it if it was inconsequential. I didn't say Sorry, did I use the well, word inconsequential? It's not that big a deal. I'm what say- I'm saying is, you're saying it's not that big a deal, and and I'm, you know, Sam Rayburn for 20 years filibustered any law that had anything to do with civil rights, not because they were they were going to be impactful, but because he didn't want any law to do with civil rights. So when anybody's trying to pass a law that says that uh, that's going to restrict voting, right. it's bad for the country, period. Okay. Look, but, but again, but you can take the position, as I did, as I went through section by section of the law and said, I disagree with that section, I disagree with that section, um, etc. I agree with a certain portion, portion of it, etc. But that when you compare it to, for example, the Georgia law, where in Georgia they actually give the legislators power to start examining things. That's what makes me nervous. But, I, you know, anyway, fair point, Bill. I understand your point. Uh, thank you for the call. Megan Kelly, thank you so much for coming on the show. This has been the Dan Abrams Lawn Crime Podcast with Sirius XM Radio. This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. The kind of experience you can only find in a Lexus SUV. A feeling this empowering is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the versatility of the complete line of Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer.